I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there or meet them at a trade show or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them now at 514-488-3618 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. This week, we're going to do something that was very popular last year, and that's our college football preview. Last year, we did this where we actually talked to clients, friends, economic developers from around the country to preview their teams, and it was very popular. A lot of people told us they wanted us to do it again. Well, we didn't know college football was going to be played. So it kind of snuck up on us, and now down here on the Gulf Coast, we're dealing with hurricanes. So today, I'm going to do the preview myself. Rather than having all our friends join us, it was just too hard to coordinate the way the season slipped up on us. So we're going to sort of do an abridged version today. But y'all know I love football, so I'm going to take you through this year's college football preview. We do have the semifinals in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. No earthly idea if they'll let fans in the game or not. So last year when we did this, New Orleans hosted the championship game. And, of course, LSU ended up winning the national championship. So we did it in honor of that. And folks told us they wanted us to do it again when New Orleans are still in play as we have the semifinal game this year, assuming they make it that far with the Sugar Bowl. So that being said, let's jump right in. And as we get started, let's start with the SEC. But let me say I'm recording this late on Tuesday night, and rumor has it the Big Ten is going to announce that they're coming back uh, maybe probably before you even hear this podcast. Not sure if that's going to happen or not. There are all kind of rumors around the Internet, so I'm not going to spend any time previewing the Big Ten since we don't know if they're playing or not. But rumor is they are going to play Ohio State, I think, is by far the class of the Big Ten. If they play and get themselves into a playoff contention, I can't see anybody in the Big Ten that'll beat Ohio State. And of course, this season, everybody's just playing conference only, so nobody will beat them. So if they do play, I expect Ohio State to be one of the top four teams that make it into the college football championship. But let's start in the SEC, where of course we always say it just means more. And let's start with my team, which is the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Of course, Mississippi State's made a coaching change. We had to make a coaching change. Joe Moorhead, I never seen a coach mishandle winning a game the way he mishandled winning the Egg Bowl 
last season. If you all remember Mississippi State and Ole Miss played an Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night, and the winner, we had to win to go to a bowl. I don't think Ole Miss could have made it either way, but we had to win to go to a bowl. And we won in dramatic fashion. Ole Miss scored a touchdown and got a celebration penalty for something ridiculous, if you all remember. I can't even say it here on the air for embarrassment. And uh, and we ended up winning the game. We really didn't win the game. They lost the game. And Joe Moorhead got in the post-game press conference and told all the fans that they could go kick rocks and he had us going the right way and basically uh, took a victory and turned it into a defeat for him. Then we went to the Music City Bowl and played Louisville. Our quarterback got punched by a linebacker in the bowl practice and we went to the Music City Bowl and got absolutely embarrassed. i never seen a coach mishandle anything so bad. We had to make a change. So we have hired Mike Leach. Now, I personally do not think Mike Leach's style, you all that follow college football know that Mike Leach runs this huge spread pass in offense where they pass the ball basically every play. I don't think that'll work in the Southeastern Conference. I'm going to be the first to say it. However, Coach Leach has my support because nothing else we've tried at Mississippi State has worked historically over time. Dan Mullen for sure had us on the right track, got us ranked number one in the country, running what he ran, and then he left for Florida. Looking back, we should have probably paid him whatever. We should have probably made him the highest paid coach in the country to kept him. I know some people didn't like Dan's personality, but look what he did at Mississippi State, and look what he's done at Florida. So he proved that you can win at Mississippi State, but nobody else has been able to sustain anything. And so while I will tell you right out of the bat, I do not think the Mike Leach offer offense is going to work at Mississippi State as we play LSU and Auburn, Alabama and all these other ones. But quite frankly nothing else has worked anyway so we might as well give it a shot. I don't think Dan Mullen ever beat Alabama. He might have beat him his first season but I don't think he did. He might, uh, he, no I don't think he did. I don't think he ever beat Alabama. Beat Auburn maybe a couple times. He could beat Auburn pretty good but maybe only beat LSU once so quite frankly what we tried didn't work so we can give this air raid offense a shot I don't think it's going to work, but I'm going to support the Bulldogs. I'm going to support Coach Leach, and let's see what happens. And folks that know me know that really, as long as we beat Ole Miss every year, that's about all I care about. So first thing he did, he got Stanford's K.J. Costello quarterback to transfer to Mississippi State. So we've got K.J. Costello, which is an NFL prospect, to transfer. So we've got a quarterback that can throw the ball, which is very important. At Mississippi State, we've really only had one good passer ever since I've been alive at quarterback, and that was Dak Prescott. Of course, you see now what he's doing with the Dallas Cowboys. So K.J. Costello coming in might very well be our second passer that we have had. So uh, looking forward to him getting there. We start with LSU. People say LSU is going to be a little down. Of course, you know, it's hard not to be down when you win the national title because they lost a lot of a lot of guys changing quarterbacks. We start at LSU. No idea if they're going to have fans yet or not. That's not an easy start, so that'll be a tough start to the season. But, of course, at the end, we get Ole Miss, and that's really where I would judge Iowa season. Our new defensive coordinator is going to implement a 3-3-5 defensive approach. And so hopefully we'll be able to uh, to stop some folks. Our defense is up and down. One year Mississippi State will be great on defense, and next year 
we won't be able to stop anybody. But, of course, when you start in the SEC West, you have to start with the University of Alabama. They're returning 12 starters, 7 on offense and 5 on defense. Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith, they're returning at wide receiver. Jalen Waddle was just absolutely incredible last year. They're also bringing back Najee Harris as their running back. So Alabama's going to be very good. If you look at their schedule, they start with Missouri, easy win. Then they got Texas A&M. So that could be their first test. You know, eventually Jimbo Fisher's going to have to win a big game at Texas A&M. They're paying him a whole lot of money. But Alabama this year, you know, they got an interesting schedule. After A&M, they get Ole Miss. Then they play Georgia. And, of course, we always know Georgia and Alabama is typically the SEC championship game. So they've got to play them this year in the regular season. Then they get Tennessee, Mississippi State. They go to LSU. Always tough if fans are there, but who knows if fans will be there. Then they play Kentucky, then Auburn, then they end in Arkansas. The way the SEC did the schedule, you don't end with your rival. I think they built a weekend in case they have to cancel a game so you don't end with your rivals. So if you really look at Alabama's schedule, they probably got four tough games, Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Auburn as far as games that could beat them, returning 12 starters. Many people feel like Auburn might can beat them this season. So let's now look at Auburn in terms of what they're bringing back. They're bringing back nine players, four on offense and five on defense, so not as many as Alabama. You remember Auburn beat Alabama last year, but that's when Tua was hurt. So I'm not sure that game actually ought to count, but that's when Tua was hurt. Defensively, Auburn lost a lot. They lost several first-round draft picks, so they're going to have a hard time on defense. If you look at Auburn's schedule, they start with Kentucky, then they play Georgia. Well, Auburn's got Georgia in week two. So Georgia's going to play Auburn and Alabama within the first four weeks. Georgia could start uh, two and two. Georgia could be knocked out of it before they get themselves going. Auburn really wouldn't because as long as they keep winning, beat LSU and Alabama towards the end, they'll be fine. If you look at Auburn, they start with Georgia, but listen how they end. Auburn ends with Alabama and Texas A&M. So if Auburn can manage to only lose one game till they get to Thanksgiving, they're going to have a chance to beat Alabama and A&M to probably get themselves into playoff position. LSU, of course, went 15-0 last year, won an national championship, and is fine of a team as I guess I've ever seen. But they're only returning eight starters, so it's hard to envision LSU can repeat last year's performance. They're returning three on offense and five on defense. Looking at their schedule, they start with Mississippi State, then they get Vandy and Missouri. So you'd think they would start 3-0 and before they play Florida, then South Carolina, then Auburn, then Alabama. So they've got a stretch where they play Florida, Auburn, and Alabama. So uh, LSU season will be decided, you can believe this, from October 17th to November 14th. In that one-month period of time, Florida, Auburn, and Alabama, they got right through there. And then they end with Texas A&M and Ole Miss. If they can get through there, they probably only got to worry about Texas A&M. So LSU, you'll know by November 14th if LSU can make it after they will have played Alabama. Lord help Arkansas. I don't know if it's worth previewing them. They were the worst team I guess I ever saw last year, and they've got a real shot at not winning a game. They, the SEC did them no favors. They did not give them Vanderbilt. They get Georgia, Mississippi State, Auburn, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Florida, LSU, Missouri, Alabama. So from the other side, they get Missouri, Tennessee, Florida. So they, you know, Arkansas, if they're lucky, may win two football games. If they're lucky, it's the hardest schedule. They're playing LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, Florida. Aren't all those teams in the top ten? Auburn. They start with Georgia, so I I feel bad 
I feel bad for Arkansas fans. Ole Miss is returning 15 starters, eight on offense and seven on defense. Of course, you'll remember they have hired Lane Kiffin to be their head coach. I am not high on Lane Kiffin. I lived in Tennessee when Lane Kiffin was a Tennessee coach, and he left. And I've just always heard terrible stories on him when it comes to off-the-field issues. And Oxford's not a good place for that. So I don't look for Ole Miss to be any good. I would think Mississippi State would beat them. We beat them two years in a row. I don't know with us going to this passing attack if we will fare quite as well as we have been, but I just don't think Ole Miss is any good. They start with Florida, so they're probably going to get blown out right out of the bat. they got a hard start. Listen to this. They go Florida, Kentucky. People think Kentucky's going to be pretty good. Then Alabama, Arkansas, and Auburn. I wouldn't be surprised if Ole Miss lost to Florida, Kentucky, Alabama, and Auburn. I wouldn't be surprised if Ole Miss starts one and four, and at the end of the year, they end with A&M, Mississippi State, and LSU. They're going to be lucky to win one of those games. So I think it's going to be a very, very long season for Lane Kiffin. I don't look for them to do very much. And, you know, Lane Kiffin gets frustrated. He gets frustrated. So if he goes 3-8, and eight, you know, there's no telling. He's liable to quit. He's liable to tear down the locker room. There's no telling what he's going to do. So from the West, I for sure, for sure pick the University of Alabama. Over on the East, it gets interesting. Florida, I think, can play with Georgia this year. So everybody always takes Georgia. Georgia always wins. Florida, I think, can play with Georgia this season. I am the biggest Dan Mullen fan in the world. He has just done an incredible job at Florida, just like he did at Mississippi State. Two years at Florida, he's taken that team to big-time bowls, the Peach Bowl, and I believe he went to the Orange Bowl last year and hadn't had a whole lot of talent. He's had some good defenses, but I think they are going to be very, very good. Florida starts with Ole Miss, South Carolina, and then they hit A&M, LSU, Missouri, and Georgia. So their stretch is going to be from October the 10th to November the 7th. They got A&M, LSU, and Georgia, and then they end with, uh, really, that's all their hard guys. If they can beat LSU or Georgia, either one, they're probably only going to lose one game. They end with Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Tennessee. So none of them. Wow, they end with Tennessee. They moved the Florida-Tennessee game to the end of the year. That's where I used to wish it would be back when they were rivals when Tennessee was any good. But I don't know. I'm thinking Florida looking at this schedule. If they can slip up and beat LSU or Georgia, either one, they're going to have themselves an argument to be in the playoffs, which probably is where Dan Mullen belongs. He's such a fantastic coach. So Georgia, I would pick number two in the SEC. I just don't think Georgia's quite as good this year, and they have to go to Alabama. See, Florida does not have that harder game on the other side like Georgia does. So Georgia's only returning two people on offense. Now, they're returning eight on defense. They'll be very good on defense, but Georgia's only returning two on offense. So if you look at Georgia, they've got to play Auburn, from the West, they've got to play Alabama from the West and Mississippi State. And so they get Auburn and Alabama. That's going to be hard to beat both of them. And, and then you throw Florida in there, uh, South Carolina. I don't know. I just don't think Georgia re- returning two on offense. And they play Auburn and Alabama early. They play Auburn the second game. So it's not like they're going to have a whole lot of time to get their offense uh, in cohesion. They play Auburn, then Tennessee, then Alabama. So I just don't think – I think this is the year of the Florida Gators in the Southeastern Conference's Western Division. So if we look at the other teams, we won't preview every single one of them in great detail. We will go over their returning starters. Missouri's returning five on offense, eight on defense. So Missouri may be a little better with eight on defense. South Carolina's returning seven on offense and six on defense. You would think if Will Muschamp doesn't win a lot of ball games this year, this would be it for him. Vanderbilt's returning everybody on defense. They're returning four on offense. 
and everybody on defense. So they're not a good they, they were not good at all last year, but returning that many on defense, they may slip up and win a game or two. And Kentucky is returning eight on offense and eight on defense. I will tell you, the guy at Kentucky, Mark Stoops, has done a heck of a job. I never thought he would make much of a coach. He has done a heck of a job at Kentucky. Let's see who Kentucky plays. We got a lot of listeners in Kentucky. I want to thank Location One. Some folks know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. Location One has, in my opinion, the best building and sites database in the economic development industry. I am often asked by economic developers, Chad, if you were an economic developer again, what would be the first thing you'd do? And it is without question, without question, first thing I'd do would be put my builders and sites on Lois. And let me tell you why that would be. Number one, I always did economic development in small to mid-sized towns, and one of our struggles was just getting eyeballs on our properties. That was our struggle. Lois overcomes that struggle for you. So the mistake I used to make is I would just put my buildings and sites on the state economic development database. Well, every time I did economic development, I was close to a border. So I was basically bordered another state. And anybody looking for buildings just across the way in the other state wouldn't find my buildings because I only had it on my state economic development website. I couldn't have made a dumber move looking back, but hey, it's what I did. When you advertise your buildings and sites on Lois, it goes to a nationwide database. So prospects looking for a certain site or a certain building in the whole country can find you based on the parameters they put in. If they're looking at a radius, they're probably going to find you if they're looking in the state next door if your building or site is on Lois. It's also the most responsive friendly I have seen. So I love looking at buildings and sites on my iPad. I much rather look on my iPad when we're doing site selection work in the field than on my computer. Computer. And I have found Lois is basically the only big buildings and sites database I've found that works well on my iPad. A lot of the other ones, they just don't work as well. They tear the thing down. They don't remember your, your search query. If you put in 50,000 feet and you back it out, it forgets it. They're just hard to deal with. Lois is not. It's easy to use. It's just as easy for economic developers as it is site selectors. It walks you through inserting your information. So it tells you, place your gas line information here. Place your water line information here so you don't have to guess. You don't have to know code to make this thing work. But most importantly, once you push save, once you enter your information, it's going to go on a nationwide database, which is going to get a ton, a ton of eyeballs on your builders and sites. Way more than you'd get on them on your own if you just put it on your website or advertise it on the state economic development website. It also inputs ESRI data for radiuses of your buildings and sites. So a prospect's not just looking at a building or site when they find your information. They can actually see information about your labor force. You don't even have to put it in there. It does it for you automatically. This is the best buildings and sites database I have found. I encourage you, go to location1.com, sign up for a demo, see how this thing works. Transition to location one. You'll be real happy you did. Kentucky starts with Auburn. Tough start to the football season. After Auburn, they get Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Kentucky. Tennessee usually beats Kentucky, even when Tennessee's not any good. On October 17th, then Kentucky gets Georgia, Missouri, Vanderbilt. But Kentucky ends with Alabama, Florida, South Carolina. Oh, Kentucky's got a tough start and a tough end. Their middle's not bad, but they start with Auburn. And they end with Alabama, Florida, and South Carolina. So I would think Kentucky will probably come down a notch 
from where they were last year. Texas A&M returns eight on offense and eight on defense, but I just, you know, they have not – their defense has not impressed me since Jimbo Fisher's been there. He hasn't been able to do anything with it, so I don't worry about them. Tennessee returns eight on offense and eight on defense after a disastrous start last year when they lost to Georgia State. So if we look at Tennessee, they got a chance to build a little momentum. They start with South Carolina, then Missouri. They ought to be 2-0, and then they play Georgia. Tennessee always plays Georgia well, then Kentucky, but then they get Alabama. And poor Tennessee, listen at their ending games. Texas A&M, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Florida. They're going to lose three of their last four games. What Tennessee used to do is play all their hard games early, and at the end, they'd always play Kentucky and Vanderbilt and somebody else. So they looked like they were better than they were. Not this year. Tennessee this year is going to end with A&M, Auburn, and Florida. So I don't care how good Tennessee's looking. Wait until the end and see what happens then. So you would think it'd be Alabama and Florida playing in the championship game in Atlanta to go to the playoffs, and I'm going to have to pick the Alabama Crimson Tide. I know, oh, that's a popular pick. Make some gambles. I'm going to have to pick the Alabama Crimson Tide to represent the Southeastern Conference in the playoffs, probably in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans out of the Southeastern Conference. As we think about the ACC, is there really any sense talking about anybody but Clemson? There is sense talking about Florida State from an intriguing standpoint. But Clemson, bringing back Trevor Lawrence, I mean, there's nobody in the ACC that can beat them, I don't think. You know, John Sisson on our team is a huge Clemson fan, so I just can't imagine that we won't have Clemson in the college football playoff, and I'm not sure there's much talking about anything in the ACC. The only intriguing game whatsoever might be Clemson has to go to Notre Dame on November the 7th. So I guess there is a chance that Notre Dame could make its way to that game undefeated, and you could have a game there to basically go to the playoff on November the 7th. Notre Dame, of course, is in the ACC this season. First time ever they had to join a conference to give themselves a league, but that's about the only game. Could Miami play with Clemson? Miami's got a new quarterback, D. Eric King, transferred from Houston. Miami looked very good against UAB the other night. Could they play with Clemson? Probably not. Their defensive line might can match up a little bit, but probably not. You would think the only game Clemson's going to have of, of any bother whatsoever is Notre Dame November the 7th. But if Notre Dame gets to that game undefeated, you know, who knows? If Ohio State's playing, nobody's going to beat them in the Big Ten with them not playing outside the conference. So if you figure Ohio State's in the playoff, if the Big Ten plays, you figure Alabama's in it from the SEC, I doubt ACC's going to get two teams in the playoff. So that Clemson-Notre Dame, the loser of that game, could be knocked out if Notre Dame makes their way there and the ball games at Notre Dame, which might give Clemson a little bit of a chance. I have to talk about Florida State. If you all listened last year, you'll remember my best friend I grew up with is a huge Florida State fan, and here they have hired Mike Norvell from Memphis, and they lost to Georgia Tech last weekend in a game where Florida State was ahead 10 points, basically uh, looked to have the game in total hand, first possession, drove right down the field, scored, went up 7 to nothing, ended up losing the ball game 16 to 13. They blocked three field goals and extra points. I can't remember. I think it was two field goals and an extra point they blocked, and they still lost the game. And when it got time in the fourth quarter to win the game, they just couldn't get out of their own way. Every time they'd make progress, they'd take a big sack. Florida State I don't know if they're going to win three football games. Can you all believe that? When I was a kid, Florida State finished in the top five every year. Every single year they finished in the top five. And now they're going to be lucky to win three games. Let's look at Florida State's schedule. They're already 0-1. Their next game is at Miami. 
in two weeks. Miami with D. Eric King. I don't see how Florida State could beat them. Miami's going to get to at least 28 points. Florida State can't do that. So that's two losses. Then they got Jackson State they'll win. But then they go to Notre Dame, three losses. They play North Carolina, who's a top 25 team this year, four losses. They go to Louisville. Louisville's very well coached, very well coached. I saw that when they beat Mississippi State Music City Bowl. Five losses. Pittsburgh, they play at home. Pittsburgh's very good on defense. Then they go to NC State. So figure they'll lose one of them. Maybe they'll win one, lose one. That's six losses. Clemson at home, seven losses. And they end with Virginia and at Duke. Figure they'll win one of those, lose one. You're talking eight losses. Florida State's going to go four and eight. Can you believe that? Will they make another coaching change? Oh, will they keep Mike Norvell at 4-8? That's pretty intriguing one to figure out. I am not sure. I mean, how can you recruit off a 4-8 season? And what's really funny, Kenneth and I argue all the time. He says, give him time, give him time. Look at what Dan Mullen has done at Florida. Dan Mullen went to Florida right there in the same state as Florida State. Dan Mullen plays a tougher schedule than Florida State plays in the Southeastern Conference. Every year he's got to play Georgia and LSU before he even starts. And look at what Dan Mullen has done. He's gone 10-2, and two, played in a big-time ball while Florida State's going 4-7. and seven. How much time do you want to give these coaches? Georgia Tech was the worst team in the ACC last year. They went in there. They gained nearly 500 yards on Florida State Saturday and beat them 16-13. So Florida State is going to have a really, really difficult time. On June 4th, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, which is really designed to do three different things. One, help economic developers improve their quality of lives by making more money. Two, helping economic development organizations land more deals. And three, by helping economic development organizations recruit jobs back home from China. You have probably seen emails of various different video courses that were sent out as part of the movement. And I'll tell you so far, the two most popular courses have been these. One, board training for economic development board members and elected officials. What are their proper roles and responsibilities? And more importantly, what their roles and responsibilities are not. And our other bestseller so far has been how to help small to mid-sized rural communities build a systemic machine-like program to land manufacturing plants, where they don't just land one manufacturing plant, but where they land many manufacturing plants. We are selling these just one right after the next. So one, thank you. We have actually sold about 300% more memberships and revenue than we anticipated we would sell at this point in time. So thank you to all of our members. If you've not joined the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more about it. Thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement. You can either join on a monthly basis and receive all our content at once, or you can just buy one piece of content at a time. That's thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement. So next, let's fly to the Big 12, which is the only other big conference we know of that's playing. Again, the, the Big Ten's flirting with the idea of playing. Sounds like the Pac-10 is not playing. And then we're going to uh, get into Conference USA and the Sun Belt, because the Sun Belt has already had some huge wins. It was shocking last weekend to watch some of the wins that they had over Iowa State. Iowa State lost, I think, was it to Louisiana Lafayette, which Mississippi State tried to hire their coach. That guy's a good coach. You got Louisiana Lafayette. And then uh, Kansas State lost to Arkansas State. So it was quite a week for the Sun Belt. So we're going to give them 
their credit here in a minute and we're going to talk a little conference usa because those conferences have decided to play but let's go on and do the big 12 now because that'll be the other conference that might actually get somebody into the playoffs so if we're thinking about conference champions you've got alabama you've got ohio state if they play which is the rumor and you got the winner of the clemson notre dame game that'll be three of your playoff teams and then if somebody goes undefeated from the big 12 that'll be your fourth team if not then you're probably talking either Clemson-Notre Dame loser gets in or the second-place team in the Southeastern Conference gets in. So the Big 12, you typically have to start your thinking with Oklahoma, and they're going to be very good. They're returning eight on offense and eight on defense. Not returning a quarterback, but do they ever return a quarterback? Every year they get a new quarterback, and they end up either winning the Heisman Trophy or at the Heisman Trophy presentation so all five offensive linemen are returning for oklahoma all five offensive linemen are returning they're returning two defensive linemen two linebackers and their entire secondary so oklahoma is going to be a very very good football team let's look at oklahoma's schedule so oklahoma starts with kansas state should have no trouble with them kansas state lost arkansas state the first week then they go to iowa state so iowa state historically has a good program that coach has done a great job he's been up for big jobs and they lost last week to louisiana lafayette so you would think oklahoma would handle that one then they play texas and they're going to play at the cotton bowl even with no fans from what i understand they may have fans in texas i'm not sure but they're going to play texas on their normal neutral field site that'll be october the 10th so that game will probably determine the big 12 champion then they play at tcu shouldn't shouldn't have any trouble at texas tech no trouble kansas Oklahoma State, they play at home. They end with Baylor. Baylor could give this some trouble. Of course, Baylor's coach went to the Carolina Panthers. He didn't make a very wise decision on Sunday. He had a fourth and goal from the one and didn't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey, so everybody's questioning him. It'll be interesting to see how good Baylor is uh, without without their coach back there. So then if you look at Texas, Texas is also returning 16 starters, seven on offense and nine on defense, including their quarterback, Sam Ellinger. So Texas, Texas was down last year. If you remember, they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl two years ago. Then last year, they were a little bit down. LSU went over and whipped them last year. And after that, Texas kind of laid down. But uh, they very well may be back this year. They beat Oklahoma a year before last. And returning nine on defense in their quarterback, they're going to have a real fine shot to beat Oklahoma. So I would say the winner of the Texas-Oklahoma game, October the 10th in Dallas, Texas, is going to probably end up winning the Big 12. A dark horse is Oklahoma State. They return 10 on defense. Now, they're never any good on defense, so what good is it? But they are returning 10 on defense. 8 on offense and 10 on defense. They always play Oklahoma well, so don't be surprised at the end of the year if Oklahoma's got to beat them to get in the playoffs, and all of a sudden it's one of those 50-50 to games that can go either way. Texas Tech's returning 14, 6 on offense, 8 on defense. Defense never any good. I don't think they'll be very good. Iowa State returned 13. Kansas already lost to Coastal Carolina the other night and got blew out. Les Miles was having a hard time at Kansas. West Virginia wasn't very good last year, although they got the old coach from Troy. So I'm rooting for them. TCU's only returning 12 off not a good team last year, so they're not real good. Baylor, Baylor only returned two on defense. No wonder their coach went to Carolina, even though he had a horrible, horrible call Sunday. 
Seven on offense and two on defense, so Baylor can't contend. And Kansas State's not going to be able to contend. They only return two on offense and six on defense. So there you have it. The Big 12 was a three-way race, mainly a two-way race. Oklahoma and Texas, and then Oklahoma State could slip in there. You'll remember the Big 12 takes their top two teams, and they replay again at the end of the year. So don't be a bit surprised if Oklahoma and Texas play once and turn around and play again to get in. So if I had to guess... Before I started this show, I was convinced Oklahoma was going to win the Big 12. But now that I see that Texas is returning nine on defense and their quarterback on offense, give me the Texas Longhorns. Let's say that the Texas Longhorns are going to win the Big 12. So that would mean that my playoffs are Alabama, Texas, Clemson, and the winner are in either Notre Dame. Let's see here. It'd be Alabama from SEC. We're going to have Clemson from the ACC. You're going to have Texas from uh, the Big 12. So that means you're going to have a race for the fourth spot between Oklahoma, who in my theory would have lost the Big 12, Notre Dame, and probably Florida or Georgia will be battling for that fourth spot when it comes time for the playoffs. Let's talk a little about Conference USA and Sunbelt because they are playing. They've already played a lot of games, unlike some of the rest of them. The Conference USA, you know, I'm from Southern Mississippi. I went to Mississippi State, but I'm from Southern Mississippi. And the University of Southern Mississippi, where many of our people that listen to us are from, Brandon Nettles and our staff went to Southern Mississippi. They have already fired their coach. They fired their coach after one football game in the COVID situation. Think about that. He had no time to really practice with his team. And he went out, and South Alabama beat them the first night in Hattiesburg like a drum. Beat them, I can't remember. Beat them by 15, 20, 30 points, something like that. Just gave them a good whipping. And they fired him, or he fired himself. Whatever happened, they have already made a coaching change. And interestingly, Southern Miss is favored this week to beat Louisiana Tech by five points after all of that. So just very bad. i never seen a coach get fired after one game much less in these strange, strange circumstances. But they certainly did, so their miss made that change. And then we've got to give some credit. South Alabama and Mobile has built a beautiful new stadium on campus. So they used to play at Ladd Stadium downtown. They have built a new stadium on the campus. It is absolutely beautiful. Their field is beautiful. They started out by beating Southern Miss, and then they played Tulane very good last week. I think they were going to beat Tulane, and from what I'm told, you know, I live in New Orleans, so I, I hear some things. From what I'm told, Tulane figured out South Alabama's offensive protection signals. So they were able to decipher during the ball game, somehow they picked up on the signals that South Alabama's offensive line made to each other, and they were able to figure out their blocking scheme. So after they figured that out, South Alabama couldn't do anything. South Alabama was beating Tulane, I think, 13, 18 points. And once South Alabama figured this out, it totally changed. Tulane's got a pretty good football team. Willie Fritz has done an excellent job at Tulane. They play Navy Saturday. If they beat Navy, they'll probably have themselves a real fine season. So there you have it. That's our preview. If I'm guessing, they would probably put in the Sugar Bowl Alabama and I would say probably maybe a Texas. So I think Alabama will win that. And then I think you would probably have Clemson and either Georgia, Florida, or Notre Dame in the other bowl game. And I'm going to guess that Clemson wins that. So I think we're going to have ourselves another Alabama-Clemson showdown. This year I think Clemson is the best team. Last year LSU beat them, but I think Clemson is the best team this year. So I think that the Clemson Tigers 
will be your national champions. But don't overlook Ohio State if they play, because I'm telling you, nobody's going to beat them. They're very, very good on offense. If the Big Ten plays, I think Ohio State is going to have something to say. So that'll wrap up our college football preview show. Hopefully next year we'll have more of a real season and we can do the preview like we did last year where we invite our guests from around the country to participate with us. And we'll probably have another special show on the eve of the Sugar Bowl. Since the Sugar Bowl this season is going to be a semifinal game, we will probably do a preview of whoever the teams are in the Sugar Bowl to celebrate the college football playoff being in New Orleans. And as I conclude, I'd be remiss to not say keep your thoughts and prayers with the folks over in the South Alabama and West Florida panhandle area getting Hurricane Sally is upon them. So keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Also, obviously, Lake Charles had the hurricane three or four weeks ago. Keep them in your thoughts and prayers. We've really dodged a bullet in New Orleans missing two that either one would have done incredible damage to us. We've missed both of them. You don't miss them always, but we certainly don't wish these on our neighbors. And we want to keep all those folks in our thoughts and prayers. So as we end, we end with that and end with saying enjoy the games. We don't know how many weeks they'll get to play. So let's enjoy it while they play.